Welcome to the Construction User 2.0 from the Association of Union Constructors. In this podcast, we explore the latest labor trends, industry insights, and important issues in the world of construction. Join us for conversations with industry leaders, subject matter experts, and innovative visionaries as we discuss how we are building the world of tomorrow. Today's guest has been working in construction for over 40 years. After starting in the trenches, he built his way up to owning two specialty contracting companies in nine states. A multi-generational union guy, please join me in welcoming the founder of both Thermal Solutions and Structure Scaffold Solutions, John Stevens. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, glad to to, uh, get on the call and uh, talk a little bit about talk and uh, the relationships that uh, I've had the opportunity to not only uh, garner, but uh, to uh, help expand and and, uh, and grow over the last several years. That's, you know, and we're excited to have that. I always like to start off with an absolute ridiculous question, just gets us started in kind of the, you know, keeping it light. What is the last song that you had stuck in your head, like, you know, out on a job site, sitting at your desk, like the song that you couldn't break free from? <laughs> well... I'm a big Tesla fan. <laughs> Tesla. I'm a believe it or not, I'm an '80s guy, so I'm a hair metal uh, guy. But uh, the one that probably that rocks my world more than any fan is ACDC Thunderstruck. You know, uh, yeah, that is a solid choice. That is a <laughs> that is a that is a solid choice, and it is one that does tend to get stuck in your head. Like exactly that. Yeah, that that. that this uh it, it, it gets the the blood flow moving yeah you know i i don't know what i would have told you i thought you know your music were i mean i didn't think you were necessarily a pat boone fan but acdc hair metal 80s i i don't know that i would have guessed that well i'm pretty diversified i mean i can i can go bluegrass on you in a heartbeat or country uh billy squire to pat benatar to Motley Crue. So, I mean, and then, and then we can go to Chris Stapleton, do a little uh, bluegrass back to Steel Drivers, back when he was lead singer for Steel Drivers Bluegrass. So I'm very, very uh, diverse in my, in my uh, music selections. I get that. So I kind of just want to start with some, you know, background for, you know, people that are listening that don't necessarily tell me a little bit about, you know, your personal journey into, you know, thermal solutions and, and contracting and how you came to, you know, own your company and, and just give me a little bit of a, how did you get to where you are? Well, that's a great question, Kirk. First and foremost, I've been a very blessed human being. I, I've got a couple, I, I have a lot of mottos in my life. Probably my most used one is the harder I work, the luckier I get. I started out in the industry in the early 80s with John's Manville uh, insulation. They had, back in the early 80s, they had several contracting uh, arms that, you know, that not only did they mine and manufacture insulating materials, they, uh, they had 36 contract units across the United States. They were very big insulation contractor. And, um, you know, of course, when the asbestos litigation hit in the uh, uh, early to mid 80s, uh, that changed the whole dynamics for, for John's Manville. And, you know, of course, they went into the Chapter 11 uh, restructuring and, and and everything. And now, you know, they're back strong as ever now after they got through all that. But they closed, they sold out and closed all of their contracting arm. 
And so in mid eighties, I find my, I found myself a young father, young, young husband, uh, needing to provide for my family. Uh, I, I went to work for a company called Ohio Valley Insulating, which was a small union contractor in Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, they did about 4 million a year in revenue, very small. Uh, but they did some industrial work, which really fit my niche. Worked for them. They went. They got new ownership in '95. I'd worked for, and 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 '95 new owners came in. Didn't really see eye to eye uh, with the new owners, but I worked for them for another five years. Uh, 2000, 2000, uh, February 2000, decided I I could probably do it better than they did, and uh, and 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 journeyed out and scratched out of the ground a company called uh, we called it Thermal Solutions. Incorporated, I got incorporated in West Virginia, and uh, shall we say the the <laughs> the rest is history. Uh, we we came out of the ground within two weeks. I had fifteen employees. Here we are, twenty four years later, twenty three and a half years later. With uh, we we average anywhere between three hundred fifty to five hundred employees, and we're in nine states and grown dynamically and uh got an awesome safety culture if i would have told you back in 2000 that we would be where we are today i would be a proverbial liar Uh, i don't know that i could have dreamt it kirk to to have had the opportunity to to blossom and flourish and grow you know we're now we have a footprint in nine states all you know pretty much ohio being the center of that uh and uh just absolutely, you know, love what I do. I've been in the industry now for 40 years plus and, uh, and just have still have an excitement and a fervor to, uh, to grow and, and to, and to every day is a new adventure. Always still excited about that next purchase order and opportunity. So, uh, but, um, you know, we, we, we acquired, you know, installation is more of a specialty contracting, uh, craft and um and service and we acquired by by customer request you know we had several john we want you to do coatings john we want you to do scaffold john we want you to do uh, these other uh remodeling blah 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 and i'm like man i fought it for years because i knew insulation right well four years ago we we uh we, we formed a company called structure scaffold solutions llc and um we, uh, when we, we formed it, my wife, uh, being a major, uh, she taught, taught high school for years, but she had masters in, in business and, and, uh, and, uh, through, you know, where she taught school, she taught business shorthand type and all that, but she had a master's in business. And I'm thinking, okay, you're retired from school, you're bored. You're the president of structure scaffold solutions. So we, we got our, we, we got our woman owned status, uh, diverse status with that. And, uh, and some of our bigger customers like us steel, American electric power, these were the people that were pushing us to become more, uh, diverse in our, in our, services we provided and become a bigger specialty contractor than we were. And it's been an awesome fit, Kirk. Uh, we, we've really, really blossomed. Uh, we have offices in Louisville, Kentucky, Proctorville, Ohio, Galplesbury, West Virginia, with an outreach in uh, uh, Clareton, Pennsylvania, and Cincinnati, Ohio. 
and it's just been it's just been an awesome experience. I have both of my sons are in the business. Nick, my youngest, is thirty two. He runs a lot of our manpower and our coding side. And then Dan, my oldest son, uh, he's 42 and runs our environmental and our fireproofing division. So, and then my son-in-law, he runs uh, a lot of our scaffolding division. So it's, it's been an amazing, amazing. Incredible legacy. No, that's incredible. Amazing ride. Now, so listening to the beginning of that story. So you started kind of out the gate being union yourself. Like you were, you came up through the program. Yeah, John's Manville was a union contractor. Their other other uh, contract divisions were were union, and uh, my father in law. And <laughs> here's a funny little clip of how I got in the insulation business. So did I come out of school thinking, okay, you know, I love insulation. I think I just want to be in, in in the insulation business. Not at all. I met this little girl from North Carolina. And we, you know, we hit it off and uh, dated there for several months and ended up decided, you know, we thought we'd be better together and uh, got married. And her dad was uh, an insulator. You know, this was back in the early 80s, uh, very early 80s. And and uh, the, the industry was pretty slow back then. There was jobs were not as plentiful as they are today uh, by a large margin. And um so long story short, next thing I know, I'm, I'm working for John's Mandeville, working in the warehouse, loading trucks, delivering material to job sites. And then I worked my way up through the ranks, the, the, the years that I was there from from the warehouse guy to the sales manager. So uh, and I sort of found my niche right there. Kirk. But uh, that's how I got in this crazy industry. So now I want to I want to uh, kind of latch on to that. So and. Um, so, you know, you kind of happened into this through, you know, your father-in-law and you, you ended up at a union shop. So your union, you know, 10, 5, 15 years later, I, you know, in your story, you decided to break out on your own. And just to ask the super controversial question, you know, so many of these small businesses, say, you know, pro-union or non-union, why did you make yours a union shop? Because you were already in the union or what? what? Well, no, uh, I think probably the biggest answer to that was one. Yes, I did know that I did know the personnel because I worked with them with the, and, and the and the business managers. And I knew I knew. Uh, well, for, for for example, I got both of my sons. It wasn't like they just come out with a silver spoon. I started them in the in the apprenticeship program. Both of them, when they got out of college, both of them went right into the, the uh, apprenticeships. And they learned the trades from the ground up and four year apprenticeship, which, uh, you know, I wanted them to understand and know the know the industry. I wanted them to know the business. And I felt the best way to get them to understand and, and for them to grow as individuals was to uh, start at the bottom, work their way up. And, and both of them, both uh, of my sons and my son-in-law went through a four year apprenticeship program that taught them the, the ropes, uh, you know, the, the skills and uh, the trade that they would need to uh, not only better themselves and the understanding of, you know, their day-to-day jobs, but to be able to go out and, and not only hands-on facilitate it, but also uh, manage it and where they find themselves today because they understand it. They, know, they understand the inner working. So, but one of the big things about the trades is one is their expectations of their employees. Uh, their staff, their crews that they send out. These people have went through not only drug testing, they've went through OSHA, 
10 hour OSHA classes. Uh, these, these, like I said, they went through a four year apprenticeship working with journeymen out in the fields who is showing them, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years of their skills. And, and, the, and this stuff being shown to these young, young men and women to a place to where they can understand it and apply it once they get through this program. And, and so that was my mindset. Uh, early on, my very first, my very first opportunity to be basically shown to the union was even before I started in the insulation trade. My dad worked for Armco Steel, and Armco Steel had a drainage division, underground drainage division, and they were they the first project that I got on in the industry. I was I was eighteen years old, straight out of high school. And we had, uh, Armco had a big project in Chicago going under the uh, toll roads in Chicago. I think it's I-90 up there in Chicago. Uh, I think back then it was eight lanes, six or eight lanes wide. And we had a 300 and some foot, six foot diameter tunnel to put underneath that toll road. And a, my job was a mucker with a shovel in my hand. And, and, and it was uh, grunt work, but I'll never forget the day. And I went up there and I wasn't part of a union. My dad was, but I went up there as just a laborer and uh, I'll never forget the day. I, I, it was, <laughs> I heard my dad, you always know when your dad speaks, right? And I heard him holler. He was up at the top of the pit and he said, Hey, John, come out here. And I come out there and, and there's this Italian guy. He, he, he was about five foot eight, probably five foot six, five foot eight. Big, big Italian guy. He was as wide as he was tall. And and he says, hey, boy, you're part of my union. He had that little fat finger pointed at me, and I'm down about 40 foot below him in the pit. I said, no, sir, I ain't. He said, you are now. Come on. <laughs> so I went up. Hey, they deducted. I think back then it was like 200 bucks, 250 bucks or whatever it was, Chicago. Uh, and I went up, signed the book, and they took 50 bucks a week out of my check, you know, till that was paid off. And uh, I became a, a union laborer back way early on, early 80s. And so I, I got that in my blood. And, and, and I seen some of the, man, I, hey, I was making $19. Now you think about this, 1982, I was making $19.18 an hour. And then I was getting benefits on top of that. I thought I hit the lottery. I know people now that aren't making $19 an hour. Well, I hear you. I hear you. So, well, when I came back to Ohio, I found out that the cost of living increases in Chicago was a lot higher than they were in Southern Ohio. But, uh, but to answer your question, Kirk, uh, my union, my union affiliation started early on. And it was a lot of that because of the integrity of the people that you got on the job sites. Are they all perfect? Absolutely not. We ain't going to pretend that. But through the years, through their training, through their uh, expectations, the peer pressure in the industry and the unions, I like my odds. I agree with you. So I'm going to I'm interesting, not off topic follow up. But so, you know, obviously we're, you know, the Association of Union Instructors, you know, that you're you know, one of our members and we we post things online and we post different articles and things we see. And over the last few weeks and months, we've started getting a lot of these kind of online trolls coming in and being like, you know, you know, unions are evil or unions are ripoffs or unions are blah, blah, blah. Are you like all, every kind of not expletive, but kind of every dig you could imagine. But, you know, you're a business owner of over 40 years, two different businesses, multiple things like I can't even wrap my head around where that comes from. How do the unions benefit your employees and your 
why go so why go union if there's so much vitriol against it? Where does that come from? Well, well, first and foremost, I, I mean, anyone that has been a union member and or are contemplating to get in the union and why is because of one of their structured contracts. They guess what? Every and, and June the first, all carpenters just got a raise. Did all of it go on their check? No, but the majority of it went on their check. But the rest of it went into their fringes. Uh, you know, they're getting. Not only their medical, they're getting their uh, vacation pay, they're getting their retirement. <laughs> that money on the check always looks awesome, especially when you're young, until you go looking at potentially retiring down the road and you have absolutely zero because, oh, the, the, there was no one investing. Or there was no one taking money and laying it back for you in a, in a structured environment. I think that's one of the big benefits of, of young people or people that are out there that are naysayers. They're, they're naysayers because of their individual uh, stance. It could be whether it's a young, small business owner that don't understand. And he may be negative against the union because he goes out there and he's, I've got to compete against this union contractor. Well, that union contractor's got his ABCs and Ds all lined up. He comes out there and he puts a program together for that potential customer and it is all lined out. And uh, uh, wait a minute. Oh, you got your liability. You got your workers comp. You got your unemployment insurance. You got, oh, you have all these things in place. That's because they're structured. They're structured. They're in line with the industry, whether it be commercial or an industrial environment. And no, then when you come out and then these employees are trained up and they got all their PPE, oh, wait a minute, you don't have to stand over them with a, a cattle prod to try to get them to wait where their safety uh, PPE. That's, that's the big difference. I mean, anybody can go out here, start a business, but if you don't have the people, unless you're just going to do one job at a time and you got somebody to stand over them and keep them in line, so to speak then you're never going to grow as a company. you got to have people that come out of this that have not only ownership in their industry and take pride in what they do and take pride in, 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 in making this infrastructure in America great again because it's basically been, you know, it's been uh, for years let go. There's going to be so much industry in the next 10 years just on infrastructure and, and, and these chip plants and these battery, uh, automated uh, battery plants and, uh, and, and autom- automated cars and, and everything. Just it's, it's, it's phenomenal what's transpiring in our, com- in our country right now in regard to growth. That is actually a perfect cue up for, for what I was, uh, for my next question. It's like so much, like you just said, it's so much is changing. You know, we've talked a lot about the past and how you got to where we are and, and how everything has happened, but so much is changing in every industry with battery plants and new roads and new construction methods and new requirements. What changes do you see coming on the management side? What are, what are, what is, what are the management companies like yours? What, what do the contractors need to do to adapt to, you know, construction has changed construction has been relatively similar for a fairly long time, but it's changing quickly. I think that's a great question, but I think one of our biggest hurdles as owners, you know, I'm a 40 plus year guy. So I'm, you know, I'm a baby boomer. I'm, I'm on the tail end of my career. Let's face it. It's just sheer numbers, right? Well, the younger generations is, uh, they don't see things like we do. A lot of our baby boomers are, are retiring. They're going on to the next phase of their life. And we, we have to get 
we have to really be focused. We really got to try to uh, uh, become an AI and, and a lot of this automation that's coming into play. I think we're going to have to grasp that to get the younger generations involved and where they're excited about doing do, doing this industrial craft labor work is because, hey, how many kids do you know come up with a joystick in their hand? How many kids you know had a Sony Xbox and they're, they're freaking or a computer who is so absolutely so way ahead of, of us older guys. They grew up with it. I mean, I, I grew up, uh, you know, climbing trees and, and getting getting uh, scraped up and, and uh, beat up. But my kids, my kids, thumb eye, you know, thumb eye coordinations is a phenomenal phenomenal like they have such different micro movements than i do it, absolutely but i see and, and i try to keep an open mind in regard to that going to our igi events is a great opportunity for contractors to get out there and see what is coming and and you might as well you might as well belly up to the bar and drink the kool-aid because whether you like it or not it is here and uh, whether it be drones or whether it be robotics, whether it be exoskeletal, I mean, it's just so many things out there that is going to change the absolute footprint and face of our industry that I, I'm excited about it. Me too. But you, you really have to have an open mind right now. You actually, you know, you, you nailed it on the head. It's, it's, and I'm not in any way trying to get all promotional, but it, that exact concept is why. So we're actually for IGI this year, which you, you, you know, you brought up for our industrial grade innovation expo, we're actually making it, we're subsidizing apprentices coming, you know, if bring your, bring your junior, bring your young guys, bring them out so that instead of just, like you said, the old guys and the boomers and the management coming like, no, we need to encourage that next group to, to embrace what's coming as well, because the, you can't fight progress. It's like fighting a wave. You're going to lose. Well, and I'll tell you another thing too, and, and I speak, I, I'm speaking for myself here, but I also know that there's a lot of guys out there that you, 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 we have got a lot of really, really, really good senior owners, upper level management in our, in our, in our, in our top group. There are some, I mean, absolutely geniuses in the industry in our groups and i was and i and i'm proud to be part of those individuals because i mean you learn and I, and, I, and there's something i want to before we get off i want to talk about is our networking that i've had the opportunity over the last 15 20 years but my point i was going to make is that we have to let go us senior guys have got to let go we have been so prone and so geared and holding the reins so tightly and doing it like we've been doing it for the last 20, 30, 40 years. We have to bring the young talent in. And I'm telling you, whether male or female, there is so much young, very brilliant talent available out there. But we got to let these people whether sink or swim, and there's going to be some that sink, going to be some that swim, going to be some that 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 fumble, but they're, we're going to have to let them find their way because we have to start spreading our wings and letting those well, letting them spread their wings while we sit back and try to cheerlead and maybe point in the right direction. So uh, what I'm hearing here is that I get to meet both of your sons and maybe your son-in-law at IGI this year. That's well. And and we've been we've been trying to bring them into that mix because for for example, 
now, like last year at the IGI, I was at IGI and my youngest son, Nick, was in Savannah, Georgia at another conference for the insulation trade. So, uh, yeah, so there, there, it seemed like there was plenty of opportunities, but, but, but there is absolutely touching on that. And I'm going to bring you into the, the networking part of this, Kirk. When I first joined Talk, I seen the Thomas J. Reynolds Safety Award in one of the flyers. I was never part of Talk prior to this. And uh, we applied for the safety award, and I want to say it was in Atlanta, Georgia, or I can't remember. Maybe like a Reynolds plantation. I can't remember. The, I, I remember it in Georgia. But we applied, me and my wife went, and really, you know, I went play golf, <laughs> enjoyed the, the, the surroundings, went and got our big safety award. But I always kept applying and kept applying myself to the folks in and. Talk has been has become my number one networking resource for any and all conferences and boards that I've been affiliated with. One of the most rich, involved individuals that not only share and give back and have opened their arms up to me and my companies and my wife has just been an absolute treat to be part of. And the growth that we've garnered out of it, the 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 uh, benefits of improving our safety culture, uh, the benefits of improving some of the things that I've learned at the whether it be the IGI events or or through our our uh, conferences has just been absolutely priceless. And anyone that'd be my biggest recommendation for individuals that are looking to help their their companies blossom and grow. If they, if they really would research and, and go to one conference, go to one conference and see who the players are at this event, will absolutely come back and say, wow, I wish I'd have done this a long time ago. I, wow, that's quite the endorsement. I appreciate that. No, I, I will always say, you know, and I've, I've, I've told this story a, a few different times. My, my first date was almost two years ago. It was on a Monday and, uh, that was the week of Zissa and Thursday was Zissa. And after Zissa, uh, you know, I went out with some people and, and you were one of them. You were one of my very first people and you really helped me catch the fire of where I had just started working. I was like, man, this place, cause sitting there, you know, with you talking about a lot of this stuff, I have uh, definitely caught your vision of, of this place as I agree with everything you just said. It's an incredible organization. Thank you for the compliment. I'm going to tell you something. You just brought up another point that I'm glad you touched on, Kirk, is the, the zero injury safety awards. We have challenged our job sites. And here goes back to what I just said a moment ago. And, 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 and putting that seed out there and planting that seed and that we took that seed and this zero injury safety award, the ZISA, that's held every October in DC in some of the most beautiful architectural facilities in the country, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. I think last year was the, the National Cathedral and then the, the building, uh, the, the, uh, the building museum before that and then Air and Space Museum for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. But what we've done, we've taken these awards as we come back and, and taking these to the job sites that receive those. You know, you think about this minimum requirement, 50,000 safe work hours. It's insane. It's insane. Okay. It's incredible. And when yeah. you first read that, you say, well, hell, ain't nobody going to hit this. There's nobody going to get this. 
we have this year coming up 12, 12 zero injury safety awards that we're receiving well over a million safe man hours. And you think that if this, if this don't get you, if this don't get you fired up, your wood's wet. And because the return on that investment back to those employees on those job sites that is garnering this award, I just wish that, that I could have all those people there at that moment to receive these awards, which is impossible. But you, it's just such an amazing, it's an, it's an amazing event. It's an amazing accomplishment. And this is one of the things I posted on LinkedIn just recently. If you want to celebrate your team and your team safety accomplishments, register for this award. It's, it's just, it's a phenomenal, one of the biggest, I think one of the biggest things on safety that talk can do other than the Thomas J. Reynolds uh, Zero Injury Award as well, which is phenomenal. But uh, this, this showcases our industry. You said earlier, what separates us from, uh, what, 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 what separates the union from the rest of the world? In one word, Ziza. You just showcase how many millions of man hours, Kurt, do you know? How many millions of man hours? The number changes so much, and it's, it's, it's in the tens of millions over the last 23 years. It's the, I, I've looked and we've done audits of the numbers trying to make sure that we're having as accurate to the minute number of hours. But, and what I've, when I've explained to other people, it's like, we're not talking about people like injury free hours at a desk job. We're talking about some people that are doing truly hazardous work. Some of the toughest work we're talking about molten steel in a steel mill. We're talking about 10,000 KVW in a, in a, in a 1300 megawatt power plant. We're talking about rolling rolling sheet steel down a, a galvanized line with red hot molten steel, and you're up twenty foot in the air in a man lift doing a, a project while this operation is continuing to run. I mean, this, this we're talking salt of the earth applications, and and when you think about how many foxes around that corner. And these guys are working safe and they've engineered it where they can do it safely. They can have the correct PPE to protect them and all the precautions put in place and the right training. Come on, man. No, I mean, it, some of the stuff when I hear with a description of what the work, I, mean, I understand what they're producing, but when I hear some of the descriptions of how the work is done, I'm like, you know, a horrible injury almost sounds just like collateral damage. It, it almost sounds like it should be expected with the amount the things they're doing. But you're like, no, we've done 1.8 million man hours, zero injuries. I'm like, I just, that is. Right, let me, let me, let me share something with you. Okay. When, when the Golden Gate Bridge was built, they expected fatalities. Okay. As late as the 80s, when they would build a bridge over the Ohio River or over the Mississippi or wherever, they expected one to three fatalities per bridge. You think about it. It was okay. We're we're calculating those deaths in this job. Like, seriously, like that's just that was honestly a the cost of doing business was human life. We're going to lose one to three on this project today. We're going to do it. We're going to do it safely or we don't do it. If we can't engineer it safe, our motto in our company, zero profit before safety, zero profit. If we can't do it safe and we can't engineer it safe, we're not doing the job. Every human being on that project 
has stop work authority. Any, any person on that job can go out there at any time and say, halt, stop, that job stops. And we're going to then take whatever is wrong, make it right, get it to where everybody is going in the same direction, everybody understands the risk, and we, and we engineer it safe, and then we move forward. There it is. I can't even think of a, I was, I was trying to think of a good, like finalizing question to say, Hey, what are, you know, final remarks. But I think that was just, that's perfect. It's, we have to put safety first. We have to focus on the future. Like you said before, of letting go of, of the now and, and, and priming us for the next generation. I mean, I think those are all just stay safe, stay future focused. And you know, is that the, is that the secret? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's changed. It's changed me as a human being. One of our other mottos we have in our company is we are our we are our brothers and our sisters keeper. We are each person on that job has a responsibility to protect their coworker, and and everyone in our company we share that philosophy and we share we share celebrating life. We share if someone's hurting in our company, we try our best to to reach out. And I'm going to touch real quick one of the things that I brought back from Savannah, Georgia, last month was some absolute passionate moments, Kirk. And I know you recall those. Uh, Justin Asbill uh, with Milwaukee Tool, Josh Rizzo getting up on that stage and showing their compassionate sides of, of our industry and, and mental health and suicide prevention and, and, and drug rehab, uh, prevention and, and things like that, that, that you want to talk about why, why, why would you be part of talk? Why would you be part of a union when we have compassion, when we have absolute fortitude and strength together and we can go out there and, and do the meanest, toughest jobs in the world, but at the same time, love and care for each other and be compassionate for not only our, our fellow man, but also also excited about the growth of our, our industry and our country. Booyah. Amen. That, that, that I think that's the, uh, I think that, uh, that, that sums it up perfectly. Well, sir, you know, John, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. I think there's so much, so much good. And, uh, you know, I look forward to seeing you at IGI here in, in just a few weeks. Hey, I, we got to have at some point. We got to have. We got to have some, one part of our our meeting that, at, at Kid Rock. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm just saying. From ACDC to Kid Rock, this has taken quite. This is. I'm. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, I was there for the first time. A little pissed off about it. I'm not going to lie. Last year, I went down for a two day conference in Nashville. I had never been to Nashville. Blows me away. So, yeah, one night we was there at Kid Rock Saloon. Oh, my gosh. I fell in love, dude. I, I, they had, so I've never seen such talent, so much talent in one little town in my life. And uh, But it was absolute blast. I was mad at myself. I hadn't been there many years earlier. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I, so, I, my real quick, if I would have went in my 20s, I would probably be a rock star today. Hey, instead of in the insulation in the industry, so well, and we would be a less safe, uh, less safe industry for it. So I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm glad you didn't get bit by the Nashville bug. Uh, shoot, well, brother, hey, hey, excited about what we do. Excited about our our partnership with Talk and and so many good people. 
so many good people. Dan Hogan, Dan Hogan and, 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 and the team there have just been an absolute inspiring uh, group of individuals that just, uh, in my mind, raised the bar and uh, excited about our future, excited about, uh, you know, what we can do to improve not only the people, but also our industry and uh, try to become a, a better service provider for our customers out there. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you something right now. If you go in with that, with that perception of, uh, who we are, and I think you're going to come out the other side a better person for it. And, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, I told someone a while back, I said, I said, you know, the only thing to stop me, I told you earlier, we're in nine states. I said, if I could live a, a few years longer, I'd be like ZZ Top nationwide. <laughs> I, I get that. I get it. You're amazing. Thank you so much again. And uh, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, many more years. Amen, brother. Thank you so much, sir. And we will talk to you another time. Thanks for the invite. Look forward to seeing you soon, my man. Godspeed. You've just listened to the Construction User 2.0 podcast from the Association of Union Constructors. Don't forget to subscribe to get all future episodes of what is going on and what is current in the union construction and maintenance industry. 